You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. My guest today is Dr. Miles Spar, a board-certified internal medicine physician in Southern California who also practices integrative health. Dr. Spar has an office in West Hollywood, in which he has focuses on men's health, specifically working to help men check in and live longer. Dr. Spar discusses the need to actively use our health as a tool towards fulfilling goals and our purpose in life. Let's hear what he has to say why men need to see doctors. Here he is, Dr. Miles Spar. Dr. Spar, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Michael. I'm excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about how you got into what you're doing, about the integrative part, and a little bit about a project you've been working on serving the uh, underinsured um, in integrative health. Sure. Well, basically, I'm a regular Western-trained internal medicine doc. I actually went to University of Michigan Medical School, which is a great medical school, but fairly conservative and mainstream in its approach. And I graduated feeling wholly unprepared to care for the average patient. I was prepared to care for really sick patients in the hospital, which wasn't really what I was interested in doing. Um, And so after my residency in internal medicine, I decided to try and do more training in how do you work on the healthcare system as a whole. Um, And I thought the best way to do that would be to get a master's in public health and do clinical research. And that way I could really work on fixing the healthcare system because I felt it was so acute care, disease-oriented. So I did that for a little while, um, getting a fellowship and a master's in public health at UCLA, and still felt like I wasn't really getting at the whole idea that I thought medicine should be about, which was prevention and patient-oriented. So I just said, screw it. I hope I can say that on your podcast. Um, I'm getting out of the out of this, out of this system. I'm trained to treat acute disease. I may as well do that where it's most needed. And so I joined Doctors Without Borders um, and went abroad and really had an amazing um, set of experiences working in a few settings abroad with Doctors Without Borders, mostly with HIV and tuberculosis patients, working on the healthcare systems. And, And it's in those places that I really saw that what people were doing was much more than what we were bringing with our Western medicines, that people were needing what we had to bring in terms of Western medicine, but also doing kind of better than I thought they would have been doing without our medicine. And I was really intrigued by how people with the same extent of diseases abroad weren't as bad off as some of the people with those same diseases in the States before starting medications. And I realized there's a lot more to health than just these medications because they were, they weren't doing great and they needed what we had to offer, but they were doing, like I said, better than I would have expected. So I decided to kind of look into that further and found that a lot of their food was healthier than the food we were getting because they weren't processed. They were eating very fresh foods. They had a lot of community support. They had a lot of meaning in their lives. They had a lot of purpose to getting better because they weren't working jobs. They got, paid sick time. They were all doing things that were important to the, the culture and the family in different parts of Africa or in Central Asia. So I really came back to the States determined to figure out what else is there to people's 
thriving than taking medications, which is kind of what I learned in med school. And so that's really what set me on this course, I would say. Perfect. And so you you started this basically integrative program, um, and I I believe you were doing it kind of after hours, right, for people who needed that type of care? Well, no, actually, so what happened was I came back to the States and I decided I wanted to continue humanitarian type work. So I did that at a, a, a Venice family clinic, which at the time was the largest free clinic in the United States. Got it. Um, and so I was a regular full-time staff doctor there and then kind of said, you know, we want to start providing these integrated medicine type services that really focus on community and stress management and nutrition and um, complementary modalities. And so with the support of the staff, we sought out donors that would help support us in doing that. And so we were able to get a grant to really build out a whole integrated medicine program at that preclinic. So yeah, a lot of it was in the evening and still is in the evening, but it's actually spread now throughout the whole clinic, throughout the day, all different aspects of it. And was there a lot of interest in that type of program? Yeah, huge interest. I mean, we started it by asking the providers who are very Western trained providers and MDs and DOs, what do you need help treating? What is it that you're kind of frustrated with among our patient population that you don't feel as equipped to treat using a purely Western medical model? And it was a lot about chronic pain and stress. And that's exactly where the literature shows there's benefit from using things like manual therapies, like chiropractic and and, uh, osteopathy, and then other approaches like Chinese medicine, um, and so we brought in acupuncturists, chiropractors, yoga therapists, uh, and have had a wait list really from the beginning based on referrals from providers and patients self-referring. And did you find it was difficult to bring all those different type of providers together, or uh, was it fairly easy? It was fairly easy. I mean, people, I feel like, were really very excited to have a, a forum where they could learn from each other. You know, everybody is so siloed in their work. And even though we're all about patient-centered health, I don't really see that happening a lot. You know, I I see it happening maybe one-on-one, but that's not really patient-centered. Patient-centered is really what is it that they need across the board? What can I offer, but what is it that I can't offer, but other people can? So, yeah, it actually works really well where we all sit together before we start clinic and spend an hour sharing patient case presentation so you can learn what each other's scope of practice is, what an acupuncturist is good for, what a yoga therapist is good for, what a chiropractor is good for. And it really helps feel more equipped to work in a multimodality setting. So it's great. I mean, yeah, you know, there's always a little bit of, it's not tension. I'd say it's friendly competitiveness about who is better at treating migraine headache or something, but <laughs> it's really good nature. And it's really great because they think, oh, wow, you know, I would have never sent somebody with shoulder pain to a chiropractor. I'd always think it would only be spinal stuff. And the chiropractors are like, well, no, you know, we're really well trained in the entire musculoskeletal system, not just the spine. So it's great for people to really learn that. And then I kind of make them all experience each other's practice to whatever extent they're comfortable. So if for somebody, if a chiropractic student's never had needles, you know, I ask them to try and get an acupuncture session. If uh, acupuncturist has never been adjusted, try and do that. So they can really firsthand see the value of each, what each other's doing. And do you feel like, uh, like were the patients receiving all these different modalities uh, during, at the same time or during the, the, during the week? Or was it uh, one modality and then switch to another modality after they're done with those treatments? 
Yeah, great question. I mean, ideally, they would be getting more than one modality at a time. Unfortunately, because we have such a high demand and about a three-month wait list, we just can't afford to use up three different practitioners for one patient in an evening. So it ends up they go 12 weeks with one modality, and then if they need another one, then they do that. But that's definitely not ideal. Part of that is the things you give up when you're treating the underserved and trying to extend resources. You know, in an ideal world, yeah, I think every patient would kind of see somebody who does manual therapy, whether it's chiropractic, osteopathy, or physical therapist, somebody who does something with movement, something who does something with stress management and kind of coaching, and then some some medication or supplement-related person. And you would do all of those. And but what, uh, for right now, it's just one at a time. What were the what were the results? I mean, you've been doing this for some time. What are you finding the results are with your chronic pain and stressed patients? Yeah, I mean, it's been really, really positive. And we've done because I I have history of doing research and have an MPH, so we do uh, publish studies and have done IRB approved studies on how we're doing and what impact on especially on pain that we're having. And we've shown. Every time we've done assessments, we've shown both statistical and clinical significance in the improvements in pain among the patients getting getting these complementary modalities. Now, we, let's go back to the the patient centered approach. As you kind of go back to patient centered, I think I would think as a as a doctor, at least in my practice, I find this that you kind of start. Uh, shifting to or favoring like a certain certain conditions that you're that you enjoy treating or that you're better at treating or maybe different populations. Do you find that? Yeah, um, yeah. I think you know you definitely have to push people to to kind of work at their edge a little bit. I think that you know a lot of the chiropractors are very skilled at treating mostly back pain and neck pain, but they are equipped to treat other kinds of pain. So, you know, definitely try and push them to do that kind of thing. Um, but the acupuncturists are, you know, I find that they're pretty much into anything. They're, they're kind of like, whatever it is, I can treat it. And I have to say, whoa, you know, I'm not letting you treat diabetes with acupuncture. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it kind of depends on the person really. Now, are these, uh, traditional Chinese trained acupuncturists? Yeah, there are two different schools we work with that are both traditional oriental medicine schools. So we're only having them do acupuncture. They're learning Chinese herbs and, you know, gua sha and cupping, and they have all sorts of other modalities that they're skilled in, but we only have them doing the needling. Got it. All right. Now, let's kind of focus on you now. I want to talk a little bit about what you're uh, getting into because I find it uh, really fascinating, actually. I went on your website and... um, and I saw you have a, a TEDx talk that I that I came across that um, really kind of, I guess, uh, struck a chord with me uh, because um, of the way we look at our wellness visits or preventative visits, almost as like an option. Right. And you're saying that maybe we're looking at it incorrectly and we need to revisit that. So uh, summarize a little bit about your take on that and what type of practice you're you're now in. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I focus on men's health. So I work at a place called the Southern California Men's Medical Group, and I have a optimal health program called TAC 180. Um, and TAC 180 is about like tacking your boat, which is turning your boat sometimes into the wind against, you know, the, the way that the wind would normally take you and having to figure out how do you get where you need to go if the wind is against you. And that's a little bit 
what the whole philosophy is, is about where do you want to go and starting with that. And, and I kind of came to that working with, with mostly men because I found guys don't really respond to the abstract idea of wellness uh, or of just kind of prevention oriented medicine. They really want to know what do I need to do to achieve a certain goal to be better at my sports game or better in the sack or be more successful at work or be more focused. Um, and I kind of found that during the annual physical, it was very focused on checking to see if anything's broken and not really focused on helping patients really make sure that they are most equipped to achieve those goals that I was just talking about. And so I kind of came up with this concept of, well, let's, let's not just focus on that regular annual physical that insurance pays for. Let's focus on what matters to you and what you need to do to get there and what tests will help us know if you're really optimally poised to get there. Um, so that's what the talk is about. It's about, you know, if I want to get a guy to make a behavior change, I need to talk to him about what matters to him and why should he stop eating hot dogs? How is that going to impact whatever his goals are? And then he's much more likely to stop eating hot dogs than if I just say, well, you know, you might have a heart attack down the road if you keep eating hot dogs. He's going to say, yeah, yeah, whatever, and go eat a hot dog. If I say, well, you just said that, you know, you're concerned about your erectile dysfunction and you know hot dogs increase plaque, which can block the artery that gives blood to, you know, your penis and you want are having issues with, then they're going to stop the hot dogs. So it's really all about rooting um, anything you, you want to do to make positive behavior changes in something that is really important to you. And so the idea of the TEDx talk is what do you want your health for? And it, health should be more of a means to an end on what you're on this planet to do as opposed to just an end in and of itself. Well, I'm sold. I'm not eating any more hot dogs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I, I really don't go. eat hot dogs, but maybe I'm going to let my wife listen to this and say, this is why we don't have hot dogs in the house. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Uh, so so is this kind of like a, a boutique, a membership type a practice that you have, or um, does it, can anyone go? Yeah, anyone can go. I mean, my practice, my regular primary care practice is insurance-based primary care. And then I have the TAC 180 program is is something on top of that that I, I, I don't know. I hate calling it boutique. It is something that is, uh, costs money because insurance doesn't cover most of it. Um, but patients pay for it, and then we do much further testing than the regular annual physical does. So nowadays, you know, with newer testing, we can look at your genes to see what you're at risk for. We can do scans of your heart to see if you already have plaque. We can look at your hormones, look at your, all your nutrients. We do micronutrient testing. A lot of other testing that I feel is really valuable and underutilized and unfortunately not covered by insurance. And then the most important thing is coalescing it all and synthesizing it and giving the guy a real plan, saying, okay, here's the goal that we talked about matters to you. So here are all your results and things you're at risk for. Now let's talk about your diet, your supplements, your exercise, your sleep, your stress management, your social community kind of life, and how all of that can be tweaked in order to prevent any problems that get in the way of you achieving your goal. So I really sit with patients for a long time going through all these results. And sometimes patients have already had testing, so I don't need to do all that testing. They might have done 23andMe or their own testing. The key is, is helping people understand what do you do with all this information? 
you might be wearing a Fitbit, you know, you, you might have done tests and you don't really know what to make of it all. So I think that the most important need right now is to help people understand what do you do with all this new information that's out there in order to make a real difference in what you want to be doing. Yeah, because it sounds like it could be a little overwhelming. I mean, there's some diagnostic tests and a lot of things I think inherently uh, we as, as guys know we should be doing. Um, but there's this probably this idea that, okay, we just need to work through it, work through it, um, get to the end, and then, then we can make changes at that point. But don't mess with the process right now because, you know, that'll throw a cog in, in the gears. Um, right. When you're talking about making that, that change, I mean, do you, do you, get, do you ever get the eye rolls and, and how do you kind of overcome that? I know we, we talked a little bit about that before, but, um, uh, but I mean, if even just getting a guy to ice his back sometimes for me is difficult, just, just put ice on your back, you know, and it's like, right, right, put right. ice on your back, you know, I can't imagine trying to get him to <laughs> do this myriad of things, this laundry list of things. No, that's a, it's a great point. And so, yeah, I have a team that helps people implement the plan because it can be overwhelming. Okay, I want you to change your diet in this way, start meditating and take these supplements and stop eating these things and get better sleep. So, yes. Yeah, so a lot of it, I think, um, revolves around working with a coach. So we have health coaches we work with that really help patients to figure out what's the thing they want to start with. You can't do it all at once. What matters most to them? What it, what is what did I say I feel is the most important thing? What do they feel is the most important thing? And kind of negotiate from there. And then we have nutritionists. We have trainers that if they're local, they can do exercise with. So we have a whole support team that really helps people implement the program. Um, and then we try and, you know, bring them back pretty quickly to see how are they doing and what can we measure so they can really seek very concrete gains um because that's really important for the reinforcement so that's part of where the goal thing comes in where you get the patients to say from the very beginning what is it that matters to you okay that's what we're going to go by so you know you want to feel more on so give me on a scale of one to ten how focused you feel now and then i'll ask you in three months how focused you're feeling or whatever that outcome of interest was to them um so i think that's the biggest motivator is really anchoring it in that thing that matters to them and having them kind of put some kind of objective measure to it. But the team is really important. I think, yeah, nobody can do it on their own. Um, and I think we underutilize health coaches. So more and more now, now actually integrative health coaches are, are certified or licensed. Well, not licensed. They, they have a certification program. So you can find people that are really well trained at working with patients to hold them accountable and set realistic goals and check in with them regularly to make sure they are doing some of the changes you recommend. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Actually, my son just got certified, uh, certified as a health coach and it was kind of fun going through that process Great. and all the changes that were made. But um, then we saw that, you know, now there's the new board certification and kind of a little more yeah. involved in that. And I, I agree. I think that's kind of underutilized in the healthcare system right now. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Good for him. Yeah, I think that's, I, that's definitely going to be used more and more. And, you know, we see, for example, you heard about the rollout of um, Amazon and um, Chase and Berkshire Hathaway doing their own health plan and Apple's doing that. I think a lot of what they're going to be using in these health plans for their employees are coaches because coaches are able to really help people make the changes that us 
doctors, and by doctors I mean all the doctors of chiropractic, doctors of medicine, doctors of naturopathic medicine, whatever, doctors of acupuncture, we're not that great at that part. We, we get all excited about the recommendations, and then we send the patients off, and we're often not great about the follow-through, and that's where the coaches can come through, come come in. Now, when we were thinking about your practice or your typical uh, patient, uh, what would you say the top two areas that guys are lacking in or that they're not doing um, that are the most common um, areas of deficit that you see in practice? Um, hmm, I would say, now I have a skewed practice. I'm in Los Angeles, so much Hollywood. So in other parts of the country, yeah, I would say exercise. But my, my patients are really good about being active. So I think in general, men are really not good at being active. But um, so in my practice, I don't see that. I think diet is the big thing. I think, you know, people, you know, snacking, being really, I think the biggest thing I see, again, it's a little bit of a skew, is people saying, I'm going to eat really well, and they do great until dinner time and through dinner time, and then it all goes to pot. Um, so I think that's a big issue. I think sleep is a giant issue. People are on their devices and we know that these devices affect our sleep in different ways. They stimulate our brains and just the light and the wavelength of light interferes with the deepest stages of sleep. Um, so I think getting people to shut off their devices an hour before sleep and really focusing on sleep hygiene. I mean, I think that's, that's like an epidemic. The whole people just aren't getting restful sleep and returning to medication, that sort of thing. And then again, I, I think stress management, you know, I think that's the biggest thing among men is not paying attention to how much stress and an activated sympathetic nervous system is in, in their health. They don't realize how much that constant fight or flight mode is pro-inflammatory and, and undermining the goals that they have. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I mean, I have patients come in, mostly in a pain clinic, back and neck pain, and uh, when I try and connect the dots to stress or sleep, um, you know, sometimes I'll get, I'll, most of the time I get eye rolls or I just don't have time or I can't, I can't, I just need my pain away right now. I just need to fix that part. Um, and then I'll think about the other parts, but it's it's like, no, we need to start here. And those that do, I mean, it's like night and day. I mean, most of the time they don't even need Yeah, me. It's crazy. Right. Exactly. Yep. Well, nowadays with all the apps, it makes it a little more accessible, so Hopefully that is getting better. Now, speaking about our, our, our devices, uh, what about social media? Do you think that plays a part in our stress or anxiety that, that, that we're dealing with? Definitely. I mean, I think um, on a lot of levels, you know, I think, number one, it adds to the whole ADD kind of issue of people just constantly getting little dopamine surges from seeing people responding to their posts and checking their posts. And it's very distracting and makes it hard to focus on something. I think also it's, it's a lot of it is very negative these days. Um, and so you can really be in this non expansive, non sense of abundant space about things. If you're always reading you know, posts on Facebook that are against your views of the world and that are, you know, if, if, if you're feeling like things aren't going your way in the world and, the, and all your friends are posting, all the things you're frustrated with, it kind of narrows your, your vision and your ability to see all the good that could be. 
I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like it's really important to try and treat yourself like you were a kid in a way and give yourself specific hours of checking that, not just having it all the time in the background on your phone and checking it, but make it be something that during certain hours of the day, you kind of give yourself 20 minutes to check in and connect because there's some good connections that can happen, but not to be constantly checking every three seconds. Now, do you have a meditative meditative or mindfulness practice that you do regularly on a daily basis? Yeah, I do. I mean, I used to really be um, into uh, mindfulness practice. Lately, for the last year or so, I've been exploring more a version of transcendental meditation that's called Vedic meditation, um, which is basically the same as TM, just not branded quite like TM, but my teacher trained in this Vedic approach, but it's the same idea of 20 minutes twice a day, focusing on a mantra. Um, but I don't know if it matters what type. I think it's just important to do something every day that helps remind your, your brain and especially your adrenal gland that everything's under control. You know, even if it isn't, it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Just making your body think everything's under control will downgrade that old sympathetic nervous system and help people to think more clearly and to think more creatively. Um, so I think doing that, and the, as important as that, I think it's spending a few minutes every day, ideally in the morning, really setting your intention for the day. I think mindset matters in a huge way. And people don't really see that or don't realize that and just get caught up in the day and, um, and already get off of their track that's going to lead them again to achieve what matters to them. Yeah, I'll tell you. So I, I first uh, I first learned about you out at Duke, and uh, I was out there uh, basically to uh, learn a little bit about more of how I can uh, integrate uh, an integrative practice into my clinic. And um, and I was expecting to meet some people, do some networking, uh, you know, get some ideas for for the practice. And one of the first things they do is run us through this mindfulness. And honestly, um, I'm admitting this over over the air, but uh, before that, I kind of like, okay, that's kind of woo woo meditation, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but once they walked uh-huh. us through that, I mean, it was, I mean, that was truly probably the most valuable thing I got out of that experience out there was uh, this focus on being present and uh, right. and just taking some time out of each day to to be mindful and um, and I guess like you said no matter what you call it it's it's really about um, well kind of what my podcast is about is about healing and a tremendous I believe mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of healing happens uh, when you're present um, and and I think that's lacking lacking in a lot of medicine right now Absolutely. Yeah. Although I'm seeing more and more and I get, I think some of the apps and things are helping, but um, I think there is more recognition of, of the need to do that, that high performing individuals are really spending some time being present and being very focused and focusing on the now. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, but yeah, I agree. I think it's hugely important. I mean, one of the things I didn't talk about at, at Duke, and I don't, I don't know if you heard Adam, who's the director of the program, Adam Perlman, um, talk about I'm working with the NBA I'm working with NBA players all around the country on optimal health and a lot of what we talk about is stress and doing some kind of mindfulness practice and they they get it I mean these guys you know totally understand the importance of trying to find something that 
they feel comfortable doing on a regular basis to help just be very present and focused on the now and not worrying about stuff, not judging themselves or other people um, because they're in such privileged but very stressful environments with a lot of different people pulling on them. So that they, they totally get how valuable that is. And, and, and that's great because these are young guys who aren't coming from any kind of woo-woo background and they, they see the value in it. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. You know, treating athletes is great because, like you said, they've already got the mindset. It's just like getting in a right. in a really nice sports car. You know, all you have to do is just kind of steer it correctly and, and, and operate it and you'll, you'll, you'll go, you know, you'll go really far. Yep, exactly. So what's one thing that you do um, on a daily basis that many people maybe don't do or you know that people don't do that they would think was a little weird um, that helps you maintain your uh, health? Um, I think it's just this idea of starting out the day not just with a meditation, but in addition to that, setting your intention for the day and getting your mindset right. I think that's the main thing. So um, I have like a little system that I use where the first thing I, in the morning, I kind of write something that um, I hope to get out of the day and hope to accomplish that day. Um, and then I write what's the big picture. So I, I write both kind of my very concrete goals I need to get done that day, but then I write the big goal that I have that I'm kind of working on so that I keep in mind all the little things I need to get done that day are all working toward a purpose. Um, and I frame that bigger goal as if it's already happened. So for example, with, you know, with this tech one AV program, I really, you know, I'm trying, I want to grow it and I want to reach more people with it. So I'm like, you know, now I have a network of facilities and it's, um, we have an app and we're, be able to tell people what to do with all their data from their wearables as if it's already there. And then I list the things I need to do that day that are in service of that goal, but it really changes the entire energy of those things I need to get done. Instead of just onerous tasks, they are in service of something that has a lot of meaning to me. So I would say, and that only takes like 10 minutes. So you do my, do my 20 minute meditation, 10 minutes for that. And then if I work out, you know, basically after you know an hour and a half you're you're done with all the most important part of your day and then you just got to get it done now you said you do sometimes recommend supplements to people um is that uh is that a common thing in your practice um is that a, a necessary do you do you find that um you many people need supplements nowadays um i don't know if they need it, it depends on their diet you know i do recommend a lot diff- uh, not a lot of supplements but to a lot of people and i try and kind of keep to a limit how many different supplements. But yeah, I do find depending on someone's goals and their diet, that supplements are helpful. I think a lot of people aren't getting as much from their foods as they could because unless you're eating all organic and mostly plants, it's really hard to get all the nutrients that you need. Um, But I think also just in terms of dealing with the stress or getting better sleep or making sure your immune system is optimized or exposures to environmental toxins, all those things kind of depending on the individual do um, get better a lot more quickly if you add in supplements. So yeah, I definitely am, am a fan of different supplements for different things. All right. And if there's guys listening to this that want to learn more about you or get in touch with you or even visit the clinic, how do they, uh, what's the best way to reach you? 
Um, I would go to the website um, mdspar.com, M for Miles, D for David, S-P-A-R.com. Um, and that's about me. And then my TAC 180 program is T-A-C-K number 180. So T-A-C-K180.com. Uh, and there are links to that from the MD Spar. But that's the main site is the mdspar.com. And you've got a book on your website um, it's, uh, on men's health, but you've got one coming as well in the future. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I have one now that's a little bit like a textbook. It's a great resource and kind of a reference guide, but it's kind of hard to read cover to cover. So I have a, one coming out later this year that's called Optimal Men's Health that is going to be much more readable and really um, very patient-focused, a lot of stories of different guys with different issues and um, how various integrative medicine approaches uh, can be really helpful for whatever your scenario is. Just in the little time I've known you, you seem to always be pushing the needle. So you're really uh, making some neat things happen. And I'm looking forward to kind of following you and seeing what you're what you're up to. So I want to thank you for taking the time for being on the show today. I uh, wish you the best in the future. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. I look forward to uh, continuing to follow you as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. 